0: And welcome to Mummin' It, the podcast where we chat all things parenthood. I'm Harriet Shearsmith and I am indeed mumming it with my three kids but I want to find out how other parents are navigating their parenthood and what that looks like. This season we're talking parenting through a pandemic and don't forget at the end of every episode I ask my guests for their parenting hack. Smallest things that will make the biggest difference and if you're a fan of hacks and life tips don't forget to check out my book Mumming It which is available to order now. I have Katie here with me Who most of you will probably know As the nurse mum on Instagram And I've been really excited to chat to you Because I've followed you And I've followed Jackson's journey Forever really Ever since you first started And I've loved your honesty I think that's the one thing That really comes across on your platform And the way you're so open And I think it's really helped people And inspired people Who are in the same situation To stand up for themselves And to demand better for themselves and their children so if you would like to just introduce yourself so that anybody who isn't familiar with you and your platform will know who you are go for it
1: My name's Katie. I used to blog and it's kind of just turned all into Instagram, really, as the nurse mum. It's interesting to hear you say those things. It's really nice, actually. When I started sharing, which was via a blog mainly, the aim was because I was in hospital, I'd just given birth to this beautiful little boy. I hadn't had the easiest of pregnancies, but I didn't expect any problems. There were sort of some flags in pregnancy, you know, oh, this isn't quite, you know, you've got a bit too much fluid, or like I was having regular scans and things like that but I just didn't really it never happens to you like that was kind of how I saw it like oh yeah it'll be fine like it's just precautionary and then when he was born he passed all of the newborn checks actually there was no concerns at birth despite having surgeons on hands and things like that there was no concerns he passed everything and then the next day he developed jaundice and we stayed in for a couple of days for that then we got out went home and he had like a lump in his groin so we went into hospital and they said oh it's a hernia just book a surgery in a few weeks time it's not urgent kept him overnight for observation got back out fine again nothing was being picked up and then when he was about six days old I was at my mum's it's so so weird to say you're in a place now that we're all locked down (laughs) I'll go there now but um, yeah I was at my mum's meeting lots of my friends because I was living in Leicester at the time for uni and I'd given birth in Leicester because of uni as well and so I came to Nottingham to see everybody and just something wasn't right that day I can't even describe it I have to just say a mother's in Instinct is everything. It's all I can describe it as because the things that weren't adding up to me were so minute, or were such things that you wouldn't generally worry about. But for me, it just felt something wasn't right. And when I took him to the hospital that night, he went floppy on the way. I was having to hold his head up in the car seat. I called Leicester where he'd been in the hospital for jaundice because they'd taken blood that night that we'd stayed overnight recently. So I wanted the results of those. So I called, and when I got through to one, I said, "You, I'm taking him to A and A. Something's not right. What's going on?" and he was like oh you're on your way to A&E good having looked at the blood results this is days later so that was the first kind of sign that something wasn't right and then when we got to the hospital they just did test after test after test and they were so good in A&E they were absolutely amazing because although things again weren't quite right it could all be put down to the jaundice he'd had because he's only six days old he'd had like three or four days of jaundice certain things could be sort of brushed over if they had wanted to essentially and doctor came in and sat with me and says what is going on I said something's not right I don't know what it is I remember just wanting to cry and feeling so frustrated because I'm a qualified well I wasn't at the time but I am not a qualified nurse i had done three years of training at that point I didn't know it, my training didn't go as far as I needed it to go and they didn't know either but my concerns led them to do more tests and every single test they did kidney heart brain urine samples everything came up with problems came up with something not right and um, came up with diagnoses and so those first few months what well, we spent pretty much the first year in a hospital we'd get out for like a week and think we were discharged for good after six weeks or so and bounce back in on the Monday and be in for another four weeks and so on but it's around I think he was about three months old when I started blogging and all I wanted to do was the main thing was actually people asking questions what's going on you know even just close family mom your dad my partner his dad at the time was in London and friends everyone asking and I couldn't keep repeating these things that I could barely digest myself that I didn't understand Myself, so I started writing it out on a platform that would be sort of you can all read it here. It's still personal because I'd be very open and honest, but I can't keep repeating this. Like here you go, you can all open it, you can all read it, you can all discuss together. But that's that. So it was method of communication essentially. Yeah. And then the other thing was that I was in hospital, and I think a lot of children that are born with medical needs end up being either born prematurely. I always get asked, was he premature? But I, even by the doctors that we see to this day, was he premature? And he wasn't. And so we didn't have that sort of he's not passed his checks he needs to go to the neonates or he needs to go to an ICU there was no specialist area that he went to that were familiar with that we went in when he was 60 days old and ended up on the assessment unit which is where children go in with bronchitis you know all sorts of things in general and more of like an in and out thing and we ended up on that ward for about six weeks which is a short stay unit he's supposed to be there for a matter of days so there wasn't the nurses that were familiar with long-term complex I mean there may be because obviously people with disability Will go in and out of there, I'm sure, or pass through there at some point. But no one stayed there for as long as we did. And there were no other parents in that situation. They would come and go. Like I say, there would be like windows between us, and I would see someone come in, stay for a couple of days, go, come in, stay for a couple of days, go. And we were there for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think up until about three months, we would still stay on that when we went back in and stuff. So I just felt really alone. And I remember saying to the nurses, the H anyone pretty much, like, is there any counselling in here? Is there anyone that I could talk to? And the nurse nurses would always offer up themselves no we haven't got those services but I'll come and sit down with you and obviously that wasn't quite what I needed I felt like I needed proper structured therapy and it wasn't available and so I kind of wanted to raise awareness of that and things like that but then also I would say you know are there any other parents that I can talk to is everyone going through my situation because I was still getting the updates from like Emma's diary and you know all the apps that you join and all the emails that you sign up to when you're pregnant and you're excited and they're telling you the milestones and you know he was getting to six weeks or three months and he wasn't doing the things that these apps were telling me. And whenever I'd go on those community apps and the forums and stuff, there was nobody in my position. I remember searching one of the sites for child illness or babies that are sick. And what came up was things like colic and you know the things that come and go with a newborn, not things that are permanent. I remember one of them searching down the blog list of parents and there were pages and pages. I remember clicking three, four, five pages. And there wasn't a single blogger on that page at that time that was talking about having a child or a baby that was sick and unwell with medical diagnoses and it broke me like I literally just felt so isolated and alone and that's when I sort of opened my blog up to be public thinking if one other person reads this and feels like they're not alone or even finds me so that I don't feel alone it'll be something it'll build something to create something and that's where it all started so hearing you say sort of those things about people seeing Seeing it and feeling comforted or feeling inspired for yeah. lack like of better word to speak up for themselves and things like that it's pretty much where it all started and why it all started I don't know if I've answered your question now.
0: (laughs) You have. It really is a comfort. Motherhood in itself, I've found to be isolating. And like you say, there's thousands, millions even, of things out there saying, oh, I'm going through this too. And to suddenly find yourself in a position that you didn't expect, that you hadn't Mm. been warned about, that could not have been predicted, and suddenly find that you can't find anyone who Mm. is going through what you're going through. I can't imagine how isolating that must have been. And I think the fact that you have have put yourself out there and done it so honestly has meant the world to so many people and has put people in a position where they don't have to feel what you felt so I think people really resonate with that and it's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that people follow you like I follow you so avidly because you are totally bluntly honest about it and you've got a great community as well I think perhaps we can relate a bit more nowadays to the feeling of isolation now that we've all had these lockdowns obviously not in the same way but through not being able to see people and the main source of communication we've had with people has been online so there's proof there how powerful that online communication can be and that online community for mm. all of us and i don't know how throughout the pandemic it has affected your care jackson's care how's it worked for you it's
1: interesting what you say because when the pandemic started there was a lot of discussion within the community of parents with children with disabilities about how life wasn't going to change so much because in some senses it was already so isolating examples being like when I was in hospital and say, is there anyone in this position not being able to find anybody but also like winter so Jackson when he would get a bug or an infection it wouldn't just be even a common cold it wouldn't just be that he was in bed for a day and needed some cow it would mess up all of his medications it would increase his vomiting because he vomits every day regardless but that would increase which also messed with his medications because then he'd be bringing up his medications medications that are vital for his organs to keep working and so a common cold would put him in hospital the number of times we've been in intensive care and the high dependency unit because I've had to take him into AE, his vomits increased something's not right and they've done swabs and it is just a common cold and so when it came to sort of especially winters we barely went anywhere as it was because I was protecting him and a lot of parents will also feel the same in my position of protecting them children from the already existing common colds and bugs you know I would take him into hospital with the rain cover over him because when you go to an assessment unit or a and everyone's there sick with bugs and infections and everything and he couldn't afford to get that but he also needed to be there and so in some ways the isolation hasn't changed so much it's the same with possibly children that are older with disabilities but getting out of the house is a lot it takes a lot it takes a lot of planning it takes a lot of physical ability to to actually get out of the house. And then obviously there is the exclusion from certain places that aren't accessible by wheelchair. Even for example, nursery. I tried to get Jackson into nursery from when he was about a year old so that I could go back to work. Or actually at the time it was so that I could complete my final three month placement to get my nursing degree. And I had to go back because if I didn't go back then I would have to redo the whole final year and I'd done the whole final year. I just needed that three months. And so obviously I needed childcare and he got rejected from three Nurseries, all with very mysterious reasons why. The first one said their insurance wouldn't cover his heart condition. The second one took our course, all of them I had visits with and you know everything was smooth sailing and then all of a sudden I'm ready to go back to work and I'm planning things, to go there and then they call and say oh we can't take him the second one said they were full but my friend's child got a place the week after and then the third one actually they still owe me a deposit from about two years ago we got as far as like we'd gone round I'd paid the deposit we'd agreed the days and then someone did a risk assessment bearing in mind at this point we had a community nurse I had an early year specialist so a number of professionals on jackson's side involved that were all saying we're willing to come to the nursery and risk assess and see what can be done and see what adoptions may be needed or to say if it's absolutely fine the nursery did their own in-house risk assessment without any of jackson's documentation or any of his professionals involved and said that they just couldn't have him yeah so there's so many things that are already excluding people with medical needs or people with disabilities from society in general the pandemic has obviously still had a huge impact on everybody I want to say it's gone from it's a choice to actually the choice being taken away. But obviously, some people already experienced that anyway. I know some people have lost carers during the pandemic, because obviously, for a number of different reasons, I'm aware that the government I don't know how to word this probably because I've not looked at it in about six months, but basically, they eased all of the requirements of local councils in the areas of disability during the pandemic. So, essentially, councils had the option of whether they provided care or didn't when before they had to. And obviously, some councils were fine and good and good morals and all of that met people's basic human rights and needs, and some didn't. But then, also, I know parents that then said no to carers because obviously, the carers is another person you've got to trust isn't breaking the rules, or some people are meant most are with agencies so the agency will still send the carer into different households and someone mixed with children and adults and a lot of adults are obviously COVID positive in the community so not having the carers obviously takes its own toll because then they're having to provide care twenty four seven, which differs for different people. But yeah, I've seen a lot of crisis and I've seen a lot calling and despair. And I think it's hard because it's hard to see because generally when the population kick up about something, some kind of change happens. You know when it started and people were like, you can't. You know, furlough came into place, universal credits got increased, certain things were put into place to say we hear you. You know, there's that much up for it. I feel like it's that whole there's strength in numbers. Yeah. So um, if everybody's kick. kicking, Kicking off about something, they have no choice but to feel the pressure and make a change. But when the disabled community is kicking off about something, it isn't necessarily heard. Yeah. Because they're not, there is a lot of, I mean, if you look at the stats, you would think that there was enough people to make an uproar. But I think mixed with exhaustion, not having the carers being too tired to fight, not being in work, you know, people put people down and, you know, if it's someone that's a top earner saying something, you know, or they're going to leave, all these things come into play that make them have an influence, whereas I feel like unpaid carers are often bottom of the pile. Yeah,
0: it makes sense and it's not right. Do you feel like people have become more sympathetic and a bit more understanding of actually what it feels like to be excluded and not to be able to go to things? Or do you feel like it's, again, just been overlooked? It's not had the impact that it needs to have to really make a change, to really say, actually, this is discrimination. People can't live like this. People can't be put in the position where they're not given the appropriate carers. I know you had a lot of problems with carers, didn't you? In various stages.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not related to the pandemic at the moment, Thankfully we just have the one and she does all of the hours so she's only here which means we've been able to keep a hold of her but in relation to the beginning of the pandemic the first time sort of people were saying hey you know you lot being put into isolation this is kind of what other people have been facing for a long time now and there was some kind of like whoa oh like a bit of shock, a bit of sudden understanding, but it's been a year now and I think people now are understandably more concerned about their own life right now because, you know, people are losing their jobs people are feeling the mental health consequences of being isolated for so long, people are feeling their own exhaustion and so at the moment people are just trying to look after themselves, which I can understand and I think what I would hope is that once this is over at some point Dutch words, that we can look back and then, you know, once people are out of the woods. yeah and remember and then maybe compare and then maybe shout a bit louder but at the moment I think everyone's got a tough job on their hands just getting by themselves yeah. which is understandable to an extent.
0: I think we are naturally apathetic as a species at times and you know people don't look beyond what's at their own front door I guess and I've been guilty of it I think most people have been guilty of not looking beyond what's actually happening within your own life and saying hang on a minute that's not right let's stand up against that. It's
1: another job for everyone to do isn't it you know I didn't know about this world before I came into it and I was definitely oblivious I had no idea so unless someone tells you you don't know but then there is sort of a sense of we should be finding out for ourselves you know there should be some level of common sense that says there's other people struggling but again it's hard because you know if your own front door's on fire you've got to put your own
0: fire out you know absolutely like you say hopefully when we've moved past this which I'm hoping with the vaccine things will start to move Mm -hmm. forwards keeping my fingers crossed when we've moved past all this hopefully people can support each other and remember what it feels like to be isolated and to be denied and to be discriminated against even though they weren't really being discriminated against but remember the That they're people who are How has it affected Jackson? Has it affected him in any way? Or is he completely oblivious To the changes that have happened Because it hasn't really changed For him so much?
1: I think he is slightly oblivious Because although he's Three, cognitively, he's more around 18 months to two-year-old. So he's not yet got that complete understanding of the world around him. And he's very much in the moment, you know, if you're entertaining me now, I'm not worried. (laughs) The last lockdown, there was a lot of him because he started special needs school in September last year. So that's like after the first lockdown. So before then, he'd only just been attending a nursery for a couple of months and it wasn't set in stone, and there was a lot of hospital admissions. So he hadn't really got into a specific routine outside of our home anyway. And then he started special school and he absolutely loves it and thrives there and is excited to go every single day. So then I think when this last lockdown came, it did confuse me a bit more, maybe over Christmas even, just the Christmas holidays. So before we even went into another lockdown, he was that confused of like, every day he would wake up and be like, boss, school, school and name his teacher and name his friend and be like you know and I'd be like not today and in the end he just started saying back to me he'd say all the names and go not today (laughs) I'm like no no baby and then obviously that went on and on and on for a good few weeks so he definitely understood to some extent and he definitely missed it and health wise you know a lot of things got cancelled or put off things changed in terms of like our hospital appointments became zoom appointments and some of it was really nice in some ways because you know we traveled to London and back for a few of appointments and even to the local hospital is a 40 minute round trip and so in some ways it was nicer to just be able to go in the living room and do the consultation over the laptop but in other respects certain things haven't been done and I'm only just seeing now in letters that say you know due to COVID this hasn't been completed or this isn't yet happening and that frustrates me because I think the things that are being blamed on COVID aren't COVID related Yeah, certain things like referrals for referrals a letter how is a letter being sent blamed on COVID you know so there's bits and pieces and different aspects of things Things, but on the whole, it's not been awful for him, which is good. And we've been in and out of hospital many a time during the lockdown. You know, I think we spent about a month in hospital during the first lockdown. And then we went to London Hospital and spent time there and stuff. So in some
0: sick ways, we've got out of about. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a fashion. Not in a fashion. It's not a nice trip to Dubai or anything like that. But you've managed no, to you no. know, get somewhere. I mean, how did you find it within the actual hospital? hospital setting did you notice that much had changed for the wards that he was perhaps on or the areas that he had to go into compared to how they were beforehand
1: this kind of pulls back to me being a single parent because i know there's been a lot of uproar and cries for help in regards to a lot of places are one parent only but that's nothing new to me that's how it's been the majority of the time so that didn't really change for me you know telling me oh you can only have one parent with him I'm like okay yeah that's me But I guess actually hearing other people upset about that kind of actually got to me in a strange way because I wouldn't have heard about these things before because, you know, if it's a two-parent family, they would go and they would spend the time with their child and they wouldn't, you know, then all of a sudden they're only allowed one person and there's outroar about it and there's outrage and I'm just, oh, is that really, really bad? Like, I've been doing it on my own the whole time. You know, it was the whole, you need somebody there for you for the mental support, for the physical support. Obviously, two-parent families, if it's one person, then the other person will drop them off or bring them food and do these things. And I didn't have that either. So it was heart wrenching to see other people's perspectives of that, because I think sometimes you're so used to your normal Even just like with some of Jackson's conditions, you know, sometimes I'll talk about them, play Blase and people go, oh my goodness, like that's not on. You should be, you know, shout loud about it. And you don't realise until somebody else says something is really difficult that you go, oh, that is really difficult. So that respect, in terms of in the actual hospitals, I think other than the one parent rule, not so much. I mean, there's the masks and the gowning up more so, but I mean, that happens during procedures and things anyway. I don't think there's been a huge difference in the environment I mean toys I guess toys for the first lockdown you couldn't have any of the toys a lot of things have been stripped and obviously if you rush into A&E you've not grabbed a box of toys on your way and then you're in for three weeks and there's nothing for them to play with you know there's a level of guilt there and obviously the entertainment side of things for them but yeah I think they were the main things
0: yeah it's interesting what you say about how it casts a light for you on what you go through as just your daily normal when Mm. other people are saying actually I'm finding this really hard and you're like well it is hard and that's normal for me and it perhaps Mm -hmm. shouldn't be just normal for you there are things that go on that you think right okay that's actually not on I think it's interesting that you say cast a light on it and makes you step back and think because you do as a a mum all the time you just get on with it don't you that's just motherhood some things Mm -hmm. you will look at and be like God I can't be doing with this But you just get on with it And then you have That tenfold as well Because you you have The additional element Of being a mum To a disabled child And I think that is interesting that that has cast a light for you do you think that that has encouraged you to say I need a bit more help here or I need a bit more help there has it maybe made you feel like you can ask for that a bit more
1: sometimes yes and sometimes I mean with like the one parent thing you know there's nothing I could do about that I can't no, be like click click where's my husband no, nothing <laughs> this is not on it's that me. I do not have a husband <laughs> 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 um, so you know and yes but then with more of his medical things I think Sadly, there's quite a bit of, some would term it as gaslighting right. within healthcare in terms of downplaying things. Or if you think about it in terms of maybe a nurse on a particular ward, see something all the time. And so they're completely immune to it. Or a doctor, they see children with X, Y, and Z all of the time. So they see that all day, every day, nine to five, or obviously outside those hours too. And that's their normal. So then when you go in and you say this is an on, they're like, well, it just is oh, what it is. It is yeah. You know? Yeah, that's it. And then you go to a group of people that have never experienced anything like it. And they're going, whoa, no, something should be done about that. Like yeah. that's not okay. You know, it looks sore. He's in pain, blah 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 blah. And list the reasons And then you sort of get that validation that maybe you shouldn't need, but that sometimes you do because you know, you're a parent discussing with a professional and in some ways there is a hierarchy and I, I mean I tend to see it as quite equal you know I think my role as mom is equally as important as their role as doctor which some may disagree with but I see him all day every day every symptom every side effect every consequence every medication interaction everything and they then use that information to use their qualification their education exactly. to deal with it so you know you can't have one without the other in a lot of ways so yes if someone does say you know that looks really bad it does make me go hold on a minute let me call them back because now I'm not happy with that you know and it does just realign me with my own thoughts because often I can go to a meeting be like look I'm really unhappy with this this is not okay and they can go it's a side effect it's it's this is you know it is just what it is I say he's been vomiting every day since he was born for three years now I've had enough oh well he's got reflux you know and you hear it so many times and you say it so many times and it just goes back so many times that you start to just feel like you're losing your mind in some ways because you just think is it really not that big a deal like am I just supposed to?" Get on with this. And it, then, too much of it, kind of thing.
0: When yeah,
1: and then yeah, so, mo- no, but yeah and just someone saying no like you're completely justified in feeling like that's wrong it definitely makes me go back and question more and harder and you know if it needs to be a complaint and it's strange in a way but I guess some people get that from their partner and I think in some ways I do use Instagram as a support system which is where a lot of the honesty and rawness comes from because you know something bad happens and I don't necessarily have someone on the couch with me that night to bounce ideas off or to vent to or to say you know do you really think this is okay there's nobody there so I turn to a community that I've built for myself and they get back to me and you know they provide that and I think something really quite special and I honestly don't know what I'd have done (laughs) without it so yeah in that way that's how they kind of support me. (laughs) That's
0: brilliant you know I think there's something really awesome about a woman being able to say this is my community that I built for myself and I can offer them support in the same way that they can offer me support and actually being able to take from that and being able to use it as a sounding board, being able to speak to other parents who have gone through similar or maybe parents like myself who haven't gone through anything like that at all, who can Mm -hmm. learn and support and offer a different point of view. I think that's a huge thing and something to be really celebrated and really recognised for what it is. So what do you think throughout the whole experience, especially throughout the pandemic, has been the hardest thing for you
1: probably just not being able to do the social activities the niceties of life of yeah. going for a coffee with a friend going for a meal with a friend it's the friends it's the support network in person you know the hug yeah. that you need you know we get out of hospital and travel as well a huge 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 therapy for me has always been travel as soon as Jackson was born the first things I was doing was booking travel it was like an escapism you know where yeah. we could go And we didn't have the hospital walls You know, I still have his needs to meet But in a different environment It just kind of refreshes you And I was always really keen for him to travel To see as much as he could Because he's got life-threatening conditions And I've kind of eased off them a little bit now But for that first year or two Doctors were just telling me Make memories, make memories, make memories You know, he's involved with a hospice You know, he has stays there We had bereavement nurses, the lot So travel was really key for me To make really special memories. Memories for him in case something should happen and yes. so although I've kind of calmed down about those because he's doing so well it's always still a very real fear so I definitely I miss that part with him and then the socializing and the friends side of things is just that relief that respite of getting out of hospital and being able to book something nice just things that would just get you through to balance out the hardships So, yeah, I would say those, but I'm eager for them to (laughs) reopen. Oh, do you it think it's going
0: to happen? I'm hoping so. I'm really, really hoping so. I can see that it might. Part of me sat there going, do you know what, Harriet, you've always been a sceptic and always been like really pessimistic and you're pegging all your hopes on this vaccine and you're just going to be disappointed? And I don't know. It's a of a
1: disappointment.
0: It is. It's a disappointment. I expected us to go back into lockdown after Christmas. i have got that in my head and told myself that's what's going to happen, so it didn't shock me as much this time. So basically, you manifested as being in lockdown <laughs> right now. <laughs> don't put it on me. I really <laughs> to think have it back. Um, I, d- I don't know. I, I'm such a pessimist naturally, and I kind of told myself, don't be surprised if this doesn't go right. But I'm hoping this time that, mm. like you say, it's the going for coffee with people. It's the physical contact. Because I'm a really tactile person. I am a hugger. Like mm. I, I'm. You too. Yeah. I miss that. I really, really miss that. And. I found it really hard having the kids at home 24-7 the first lockdown not so much but just having them at home 24-7 and then having to explain to them why they can't necessarily go and hug other people and I found that hard so Mm. I'm hopeful I'm not convinced but I'm hopeful and that's kind of where I'm sitting at the minute and that's the best that I can offer really (laughs) I think that's the best That anybody can offer I don't know how Yeah Just hope Just hope Just keep hoping That's what we've got To keep doing How does the vaccine Work for you guys Will Jackson be given that And is he put as a priority Or not
1: So Jackson was One of the mistakes That got so He wasn't a mistake Sorry He got one of the letters That was a mistake That said He right. could go for a vaccine And I got really excited And then it turns out They're not appropriate For children So that was fine I get one as a carer But every single day I go to log in and try and book one there's no slots available so I'm just waiting so we should get one but yeah I think that's another aspect as well a lot of my friends and family are key workers so I've not been able to bubble up with anybody so the all. only people we see is his carer at night and his dad's when he sees him so yeah at some points during lockdown I have like bubbled up with a friend but then she's gone back to caring so you know that's had to get scrapped
0: so yeah there's just nobody. So <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's that extra element it need a hug <laughs> it's on a cuddle it's that extra element like you say it's you just want a hug you just want to see somebody else if I was in the position where I was a single mum I could bubble with somebody and it wouldn't necessarily carry that extra risk but for you it
1: does technically with the bubbles with his age with his disability with me being a single parent we're entitled to bubble up with somebody and you know that could potentially just make everything feel so much better but nine. No.
0: <laughs> but as much as They've given you that extra option, if not fact yeah. the fact that actually it's great to say well, these people can bubble up, but it's more of a risk
1: that it's not worth it, essentially. Yeah, exactly. um, so thank God for some social media providing us all a little bit of company. They just need to work out how we can <laughs> virtually
0: hug one <laughs> Is another. <it> yeah. <laughs> That's the bit that we need, some kind of internet hug. I think <laughs> social media gets a really bad rep, you know, and I think it's been wonderful throughout the whole of this, I realised that it has so many problems and I know it comes with its own trolls and its own the anonymity that breeds contempt throughout us all I get that I know that that's there and I know that it's allowed people to remain anonymous and showed the worst of us I think it's also showed the best yeah especially in these times when we can actually come together via it because we can't come together any other way and I think that's been massive so on that note what would be your tips that you would give to somebody who is in the same situation (laughs) as you This moment in time (laughs) You know what I'm listening to this And I relate to her so much I could do with a hug too What would you say to somebody? Tips
1: Get a teddy bear Every teddy a puppy honestly you know when you just think like how did I get through this and you've got no answers (laughs) because you're just like just (laughs) swimming like I've just kept swimming I think obviously trying your best to keep in touch with friends is huge because it can be very easy when you're shut off from the world to just completely shut off. and I think checking in on friends and just sending those messages can keep your dynamics going you know phone calls sometimes phone calls have just got me through to have a laugh the same kind of laugh that you would have if you're at a dinner table but you know I've had drives back from London from hospital and I've called a friend I've been on the phone for three hours just having a laugh and it's just been so nice and then what else yeah everyone goes on about a bad walk I say if you don't want to go for a walk Don't go
0: for a walk <laughs> like, My husband He says exactly the same He's like I don't want to go for a walk I'm like But the fresh air is good for you And he's like It's not I don't want to go for I a walk do I do believe the fresh out. air is good for
1: you So in that way I do encourage you But also I felt a bit pressured <laughs> To go <laughs> on a daily walk And I don't want to go on a daily walk I'm tired <laughs> Like I just want to sit on the sofa And have a nap <laughs> Like I don't want to bake cakes That my, my child doesn't even eat What am I baking cakes for? <laughs> like, no I'm not making bananas on a bread like sometimes it is just and also sometimes for the same reason as great as social media can be it can be quite a pressure environment I think when you yes. feel that kind of sometimes coming on it is really good to just have a day of no screens yeah. and just yeah. remember the four walls around you and some days I've turned it off and I've just cleaned the house top to bottom and that sounds really boring but it's been so therapeutic and I guess it is just doing what works for you everyone's just trying to get through make it to the end and so yeah I'm not like exactly a like top therapy,
0: 10 tip yeah. (laughs) It's true though, isn't it? Because we like to create this kind of template for how we think that things should be done. And Mm. we look at other people and we're like, oh no, that looks better than mine. And in reality, we've all just got to muddle through it. And that's the same for everything in life, I think. There isn't actually ever a proper template of how things should look. And as soon as you think you've got one down, there'll be a curveball that'll get lobbed at you. The really
1: key thing is to just go easy on yourself. Do what works for you and literally do for you, not do because you're comparing, do because because of the people have said that you should, do what works for you, what will get you through the day and what will get you through the next few days and what will get you to the end
0: of the pandemic because yeah. that's all we can do. Very, very true. Hang on for anybody, I think, in any situation. I
1: haven't made a single loaf of banana bread. Never, not in the
0: first <laughs> 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 We made one loaf of banana bread because I make a chocolate and banana bread because I know banana bread's meant to be all healthy and stuff. So I just thought, oh, chocolate. And my kids love me for it. And it was like, it was, Cursed in the pandemic, we tried to make it once, and it just turned to like raw butter And I just looked at the kids, and I was like, "Brownies? Should we do brownies? I can't be doing, I can't be doing with this. Mummy doesn't eat banana bread. You're not going to eat this crap. So let's just let's move on." That was the other one that I kept seeing floating around, soda bread. And I just thought, no, I didn't even consider attempting it. I feel like you're the only one that's not done it. You feel like the only one that's not. Watching These are the kind of things bread. that made the news during the pandemic. Yeah. Isn't that worrying? There that this is what made. <laughs> (laughs) the news this is what made it banana bread (laughs) banana bread made the news top 10 recipes mine with chocolate in it wasn't included obviously oh that would would definitely be number one (laughs) (laughs) only if it works (laughs) yeah the failed one not so sure about failed one absolutely not thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for just being you and being so honest and creating that support for yourself because in doing that I think you have created something really wonderful that will help so many people so thank you